Connor, can you take me through the morning of the accident? I woke up absolutely buzzing to get back to school because I was just out of cast, out of a cast because I previously broke my finger in a rugby match. And we were travelling down the road that morning. It was a dark, foggy morning. We couldn't see a great pile. And next thing, I remember to a specific point on the road and I remember then everything else I just... I can't remember. I remember waking up in CUH in Cork University Hospital. And in Cork University Hospital, I was in a coma for 48 hours. And then I was in the high dependency unit. And then I was transferred eventually to the children's ward. I was all over the place. I was emotionally just a wreck. I had a fused axial injury, is where my brain bounced off my skull and caused loads of little bleeds all around my brain. I, w- I just wanted to get home because hospital was... I was sick of it at this stage. Um, I said it to my mum, Mum, if I don't get home, uh, I'm going to kill myself. To be honest, I thought it was in a dream. I just, I wanted to wake up. It was like a night, constant nightmare. I, I remember coming home from each in therapy and I used to jump straight back into bed uh, to try wake up at home in my own, in, in my own bed. What kind of kind of services did you have? Did you think that services were good enough at the time? They were good in Cork University Hospital. I got all the good treatment. But when I expressed my suicidal tendency to mum, that's when the terrifying journey re- really began. We, we just weren't able to get the services. Uh, like They were scattered throughout the country. It was fairly draining because like, I thought I was never off the road. Paul, you were only 12 at the time, um, a baby brother. Did you feel that it had an impact on the family? Oh, it definitely did, yeah. Uh, I was, after about three weeks after Connor's accident, I was told to go back to school by mum and dad. And I had known I was basically living out of a bag with my uncles and aunts and all my friends. It was the same after Christmas because dad had to go back up the north. And Mam was going to every different appointment with Connor. And at that stage, what did you think was going on? At the start of it, I basically thought Connor was dead because I got a phone call from my uncle saying that Connor was in an accident and my auntie was coming out to collect me. But she was telling me it was probably only going to be a broken leg or something, a broken skull. And what was your reaction to that? How did you react to hearing that? I, I was in bits. I was crying. I was... In tears, I didn't know how to deal with it. I was only 12 and I never really faced the prospect of losing my brother. I was basically teaching Connor how to walk, talk, and which is not normal now, but I was teaching him how to eat his food properly. And But are you back to fighting like cat and dogs now? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm careful of his skull. Uh, but yeah, we're back to normal basically. He's back to normal, he's back playing all sports. So it's like having your old brother back. And Katrina, how was that first morning for you? Um, obviously I'm a nurse and of course I was immediately thinking head injury and I was just screaming at them to let me know what his pupils were like. But they didn't and very quickly they removed Connor from the scene um, because obviously he was, he was vomiting, he was unconscious and they wanted to get him to the hospital as soon as possible. And I knew that we had been given the long journey down, which as a nurse I knew was fairly serious. Um, I saw the ambulance stopped and at that stage I thought Connor at that stage had died and that I probably wouldn't get a chance to say goodbye to him. But when we got to the hospital I could hear groaning so I knew he was alive so that was the first step. Over the Christmas he became more independent in walking and 
you know, made a good, um, you know, kind of recovery physically, but mentally he was absolutely, um, you know, in a bad place. Um, when he asked me to take him home, it was then I realised um, just how the services for children out there, especially for teenagers, um, are just not available. From that age group, from 14 to 17, he was too young to be with the adults and too old to be with the kids. Um, obviously, I was very anxious to get Connor up to the NRH um, that had a massive waiting list. Um, I found out that I only had six beds, six inpatient beds, and they covered kids with brain injury, spinal injury and limb absence. But again, Connor was going from having inf- intensive t- you know, therapies that I could see were making an improvement to being put on a waiting list. So it's literally like, in my opinion, fallen off a cliff without a parachute because it just depends where you're living in the country as to whether there's specialist supports. It depends on if you're around the Dublin area, obviously you have more supports than you would maybe around maybe more um, country areas. Connor, what his main priority was psychological care and we couldn't get any psychological support. Do you think that this is an area that's being ignored? Um, I do, yes. There's absolutely no dedicated support group or organisation for teenagers um, themselves or for their families um, that actually experience this type of injury. And Connor, you went uh, to Leinster House last December. What did you say there? Yeah, last December I more or less told... I obviously hit hit home with a few of them, like Mike Lowry, he got me back into the Leinster house this year and this year now we got a serious good reception, like they said they're definitely going to do something about it, about it, like they have to. Do you think you've got it very far since last December, it's nearly a year now since since you were there already, do you think that you've, you've got any further since? Not really, no, uh, but thank God that I have been brought back up and... Me, my mum, Paul and Sarah Doherty, like we really nailed the point to them that there is no services in the country for teenagers with an acquired brain injury. And we are the most likely age to get them, so why isn't there any services for us? What about you, Katrina? Have you come very far since last December or since since Connor had this problem? From all accounts, no. Um, the NRH still obviously only has six beds. There's a lot of kids waiting to go to the NRH. Um, there's no statistics being kept in Ireland, and that hasn't changed. Um, we looked for um, kind of written information about acquired brain injury in teenagers, and that's still not available. There's no support really for school in the line of um, anything that schools can read. There's still no... Um, link person which is something that we mentioned last year it's just I feel that any patient that's admitted I feel that there should be an outreach an outpatients department in the NRH and I don't think the facility has actually been used properly. Connor, I'll give the last word to you what ideally would you like to see done? I'd just like to see uh, services being set up for teenagers with acquired brain injury and for their families because I'd hate for any other family to go through what we actually had to go through